Hello and welcome to The Bearded Advocate, your need-to-know source for living with a chronic illness, disability, mental health disorder, or terminal illness. I'm your host, Alex Pappas, and I'll be sharing my experiences living with a chronic illness, as well as inviting others on to share their stories. So thank you for stopping by, and be sure to check out the new website, thebeardedadvocate.com. All right, guys, thank you for joining me for another episode of The Bearded Advocate. Today, I am joined by Emily and Sarah, and they're going to kind of share their experiences being part of the chronic and disabled community, and I guess introduce what, what they have going on with them. So go ahead. Yeah. I guess we'll start with Emily, and we'll move on to Sarah. Cool. Thanks for having us, Alex. Um, my name is Emily Vilsack on Instagram. I'm Emily underscore Vilsack, V as in Victor, I-L, C as in Charlie, S as in Sam, A-K. You can find me there. Um, I am joined by Sarah. We recently co-founded an organization called Disability is Not a Binary, where we are exploring um, how spectrum-based language can be used to um, be more inclusive to the folks in the disability community that fall into that gray zone of the binary of being disabled um, versus able-bodied because we both feel like we're not disabled enough to be disabled, but we're not able-bodied enough to be able-bodied. So yeah, that. that's me. Yeah, totally, that. totally. I'll, uh, I'll pass it over to Sarah to introduce herself. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on the podcast. My name is Sarah. My pronouns are she, her, and you can find me on Instagram at S-A-R-A-H-J-A-C-K-S-O-N-N underscore. Um, and I have a limb difference that is pretty invisible to most people, um, but it is in fact not invisible. It affects my day-to-day -day life. So I'm really excited to be talking today. I uh, I guess I forgot to tell you what my disability was. Um, <laughs> I have high functioning, um, high functioning mild cerebral palsy with left hemiplegia. Um, and I had for a very long time denied myself that I was disabled. And I've recently um, come across the language semi-visible disability, which really resonates with me um, because it's really easy to hide. I can wear pants and shoes that kind of cover my brace and I can fake a normal person walk. Uh, but after maybe, a, <laughs> after maybe a 5K walk, it's very apparent that I'm, that I'm disabled. So yeah, semi-visible. No, I'm I'm fully invisible. So I got ulcerative colitis, which falls under irritable bowel disease. So yeah, I understand the whole. Well, you look functional, like um, sometimes, sometimes yeah. depends on the day. Depends on the day. So, tell me more about this. Uh, is it actually like a nonprofit organization? Yeah. So we Some... we just started it. Okay. Um, like just recently, the idea is that we're going to start it as an online community. Um, so the best place to follow us is at disability is not on Instagram. That's where we're starting out. Um, we really have big visions for it. I think it's going to be like a kind of an umbrella of nonprofits and for profits and tech startups um, and incubators and all of the things. Yep. Um, but where we're starting right now, which is really interesting, is Sarah and I actually applied for the same master's program in communications and technology, and we're going to pursue the entire program focused on this topic of spectrum-based language in the disability community. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I've been I've been playing around with the whole incorporation and nonprofit idea too. So I think I'm. I'm 
gonna lean towards nonprofit. I don't know. I'm still I'm still debating, mostly because yeah. I'm going to be fundraising, and I feel like it's gonna be easier to fundraise being a nonprofit. But I definitely understand the the for profit nonprofit. I mean, you can you based. can be both. You can you can be a nonprofit that owns a for profit, or you can be a for profit that owns a nonprofit, which is pretty cool. I think that's like you know, 10, 15 down years down the road, that's where we'll probably be at. Yeah, yeah. So I, I get that whole thinking about it and setting it up. I think growth wise, I might start as a nonprofit and I don't know. I gotta see, can you change a nonprofit to a for profit? Oh, I gotta look further into that. It's always <laughs> always a fun question. Okay, so you guys are both in the in the same master's program. Sarah, do you want to add anything specific or things you want to focus on and talk about? Yeah, so um, Emily and I have quite a long history together. So we actually met um, in high school. <laughs> so I was in uh, grade 10 and Emily was in grade 12 that time. Um, at that time, I believe we were one of the only two students at the school that was um, you know, in that gray zone of disability spectrum. Uh, as a kid, I didn't really, <laughs> I kind of just like put aside my disability. Um, I, it wasn't until I really started talking with Emily about this when I thought about how much I actually didn't acknowledge that I had um, a pretty like big limb difference. And uh, I just think, you know, um, if us two are sitting here <laughs> on a random Wednesday morning, thinking about how much, you know, uh, we haven't had that community, there's so many more people out there that we're hoping to connect and we're hoping to talk to. So I think that's going to be really special. No, and I can, I can understand the importance of that. And I talk about it a ton on the podcast of kind of pulling all the communities together. Because I look at most common, you know, the, the most common ground that we all have, whether it's the chronic community, the disabled community, I lump mental health into everything because everybody that's in those two communities deals with it on some level. And if they say they don't, they're lying or hiding it really well, one of the two. Um, and then terminal illness, because it's kind of like the most severe of all the categories for us. And I think it all comes back to that, that mental health, you know, focusing on that and tying everybody in together around that because we can all relate on so many levels. And I'm in that kind of unique where it's like, I have a chronic disability or chronic or kind of words today, chronic illness, but it also is a permanent disability um, compared to a lot of chronic illnesses that are not classified as actual permanent disability, which is a really interesting how they break it up and, and kind of categorize things. And I know I fall into the general umbrella of uh, irritable bowel disease. So I understand the importance of that because I view all the individual groups as all these entities that are trying to do their own little thing. And I think at times there's too many groups trying to do too many different things. And if we pulled everybody together and said, hey, here's what we're focusing on this week, or here's what we're focusing on this month, could actually make a lot more progress, especially when it comes to, I mean, I don't know where you guys are located, the U.S. government trying to make changes in it. You got all these little groups asking it to do things where if you had one big group, it's like, hey, here's what we want. You can actually approach it in a, uh, yeah. in a reasonable manner. Yeah, 100%. And I think, I think what you're saying is, is that there's, there's language around these communities and we know, Sarah and I are both communication profession, professionals, we know that language is power. 
And at the point where we're standing, like this little moment in history, I really feel like we're at this crux where we're starting to develop the language that we need to be inclusive, um, to bring all of these communities kind of together to be one big fighting force, because if we're going to make systemic change, we really do have to work together. And so in, in terms of that, I really think that we need to work on finding that, that language that that is inclusive to everyone, that everyone can, can feel a part of this community. I think so many people struggle with not, not identifying with the disabled or chronic community because they don't feel like they're disabled enough. And so I think, I think yeah, if we can use that spectrum-based language, I think we'll be able to unify a lot stronger. Yeah, yeah, and I can understand that it's, uh especially when you have a, a you know, a semi-visible or invisible one, it's kind of like, well, you look functional. So what are you talking about? Like, do you even understand? Which I get from time to time because I have colitis. So I do have like handicapped parking uh, in the US and I'll get it if I park in a handicapped spot. And someone's like, oh, you don't look disabled. I mean, I'm, I'm parking so I can go to the bathroom. So take it as you please. So I've, I've been, you know, kind of big on and I try to talk to people about, hey, you know, depending on the state that you're in, here's your rights as far as actually identifying um, and how it kind of breaks down to people. And it's like, hey, you got a problem with it, call the cops. I'll give them my registration. That's all I need to do, so. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm located in Canada. So uh, for me, um, I have a partial limb difference on my foot. Um, and it's once again, like I limp, but that's about it. If you don't know me personally, you will not see anything, um, because it's hidden by a shoe all the time. Yep. Uh, but I'm not disabled enough to the government to qualify for, uh, disability tax insurance. So every four years when I have to get my $20,000 prosthetic, because it's wear and tear when you wear a prosthetic every day, I am not covered under the government. So I have to pocket it, you know, out of my own money or go through a great organization called War Amps, um, which helps uh, amputees pay off those expenses. But, you know, it's for me, it's something I never chose. Uh, I yeah. didn't choose Oof. to, you know, have to have this prosthetic. Um, so me, I that one. yeah, it's just yes. it's really interesting. Um, yeah, I'm just not disabled enough in the government's eyes to get that funding for a life necessity for me. So like sounds rough but it's not rough enough so you gotta pay all this extra money which how is that's uh, and emily are you in canada as well because you yeah i'm in canada. canada as well and and i've experienced the same things like even on my even on my you know taxes i don't get any um like disability funding at all um because they're like oh it doesn't affect your day-to-day -day life and every time I'm like I'm pretty sure it does affect my everyday life so that's a that's a tough one for sure. maybe not the way you consider it would but yeah it still still definitely does um yeah because that's I always ask because I, I try to kind of figure out the differences when it comes to healthcare. because the United States as we know is incredibly awesome at healthcare and it's super affordable all the time. So yeah, cause colitis is extremely expensive too. I mean, I know before my insurance kicks in the infusions I get are about $8,000 in infusion and definitely had to pay for a couple of those. Oh, I think she, I think she lagged out. 
Yeah, Sarah's frozen. Um, no, I mean, I, I've had the, I've had similar experiences. I need to get um, Botox in, in my wrist and my leg every four months uh, for my spasticity. And yeah, never, it's always been kind of out of my own pocket. And I recently um, started working with a really good organization that actually like got me special approval through the benefits of the company uh, to get it paid for. So I feel very lucky but it's, I am the exception to the rule, 100%. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is the unregular, irregular um, experience of many disabled people in Canada, for sure. And you have to go through like a bunch of extra approval and kind of justifying oh, yeah. it and everything. Okay. I think I probably had between five and 10 phone calls where I literally just had to be like, yes, I am disabled. Here's. I swear. Yeah. I like, am. like, I wish I wasn't. It'd be nice yeah. if I wasn't, but I am. Yeah. yeah. So just like, yeah, to it, it feels really it feels really harsh to be having to prove over and over again that you're disabled, especially like for me, I'm, I'm 23. And I guess only in the last year, I've really started identifying as part of the disabled community. So I'm still like straddling that line um, between able-bodied and disabled, which honestly, I feel very fortunate about because I can access the able-bodied spaces that many disabled people aren't able to access. And I can work to to shift that needle a little bit on the language we're using and and some of the advocacy work that I'm doing that that visibly disabled people might might not be able to do but Mm -hmm. it's exhausting work it's it is tiresome work yeah yeah I I feel that one lack of energy is always a fun one too that comes depending I mean do you have you have a lack of energy with with cerebral palsy at all is that kind of draining physically at all or or trying to hide it adds a level of yeah for sure um like physical energy 100 percent um and I actually didn't know about spoon theory until like this year and about how like disabled folks like go through their lives just exerting way more energy and that's why I'm so exhausted at the end of the day and so once I found that language about it it was really helpful for me um but yeah even even mental exhaustion um like in in first impressions I find are really exhausting because for so long I was like oh I need to prove myself that I'm smart or that I'm pretty or that you know whatever it might be like even on a first date I wouldn't like want to disclose that I was disabled until I made a good first impression and that mentally is exhausting that doesn't help at all no I've I've tested that one out that doesn't help I've gotten (laughs) to the point where I could care less I'm like you know what think what you want you can filter yourselves out because especially when you start finding communities like diversibility and some of the other online communities Mm -hmm. you realize how great it is not to have to filter anything you're just like wow like I don't have to like sugarcoat anything for anyone and everyone's okay with it yeah 100 whatever my coworkers aren't happy with it it's great they only have to work with me eight hours 40 hours a week so you know what <laughs> I think you yeah. put up with it at work yeah totally totally I get that what about you Sarah how's how's energy affected by everything yeah so when I was younger I actually did competitive dance for 14 years so um yeah it was quite interesting being in the I mean, space I know that's just, incredibly demanding in general. So that's yeah. 
Um, you know, I'm really lucky that my parents, um, you know, when they had me, they really wanted it to be like, nothing will get in your way. You can do anything you want. And I'm really grateful for that mindset because I feel like I didn't think of my disability that much when I was younger. I just saw it as like a normal thing for me. Um, and that's one of the things that when people, when I meet new people or when I tell people I'm disabled, they act like it's a bad thing. They're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. It's like, what are you sorry for? I've, not, I've known nothing else, uh, nothing else in my life. Um, you know, I, I'm more lucky than a lot of other people with uh, partial limb differences. I have still like a portion of my foot. I'm still able to walk without my prosthetic. Um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I only really have a limp. I'm pretty passing. Uh, but in that competitive dance space, there really was no way for me to <laughs> declare that I had a limb difference or uh, anything like that. Um, it's an incredibly uh, non-inclusive space uh, in a lot of different ways, but <laughs> that's more than this podcast. Um, but, you know, I the biggest thing for me was I'd go on stage um, and the judges would say, oh, you know, the girl in the front row wasn't pointing her foot. And it's like, yeah, no, I, I like physically cannot point my foot. I don't know what you want me to do. It's a prosthetic. But how are they to know? Because there's no way to declare it. So, yeah. um, you know, I went through a lot of my childhood with that guilt that I'm weighing the team down because I'm different um, and not really celebrating how cool it is that I am competitive dancing when I'm literally yeah, missing still, my foot. Still doing it. Like, who needs <laughs> yeah. a foot? Like, I got this. Yeah. Um, so, there's a bunch you of people know, with I... two fully functional feet that still can't even do that. So, you know what? That's, that's a win. Yeah. Um, so I just say for me more, uh, you know, after talking to Emily and finally hearing about spoon theory, I like explained it as soon as Emily told it to me, I went to my mom and I was like, what do you think of this theory? And she's like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Um, you know, for me, like, like Emily was saying earlier, uh, it's really easy for me to hide my disability when I'm walking for short periods. But if I were to go on a hike or do a bunch of stairs, you see it a lot more because I, you kind of just see it. Yeah. Um, so it's it's interesting um you know i've had a few first dates in the past few months where people did not take it well and i was i was like genuinely shocked um because you know i feel like it's a I, common I, thing it is um you know thing. it's crazy um there was one person that was like i don't know how i feel about it now but maybe i'll feel different later and it's like well <laughs> I don't know, like, I don't know what you want me to do or say what here. That, what um, does that mean? That's vague. Like, exactly. Eh, maybe later. It'll grow on yeah. me. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and like, the foot is not growing back. <laughs> no matter what you want it to do, it's not coming back. So, um, yeah, that tangent was all just to say that I feel like it's definitely been mental exhaustion that's been the biggest for me all my life. Yeah, I can get that. I definitely definitely understand that aspect of it and yeah dating keeps coming up oh god i i gave up with the whole dating thing i was like you know what i'm, I'm good for now because <clears throat> i kept track of it because i'm a numbers person like i keep track of everything i i kind of and i break everything down into numbers especially when it comes to the whole you know advocacy aspect i'm like all right this is how many people in the u.s this is how much percentage we need to actually start making a difference and government yeah like eight out of ten people talking to as soon as they're like oh some chronic illness disabled i'm out good conversations great like 
great chats, conversations, things line up passionate wise, things we're into. Yep. As soon as I bring that up, mailing out like, like eight out of 10. I'm just like, wow. Okay. But yeah. No, I don't, I don't hide anything anymore. It's like, I have fun with it. Plus I have a sense, a, a dark sense of humor too. So at this point, like when I bring it up with new people, I'm like, look, I got a broken butt and I do weird butt stuff with my doctor. Like <laughs> if you want to know more, you can ask, but be very careful what you ask because you will get an answer. <laughs> so you gotta oh have a little gosh. fun with it. That is, that is awesome. No, I mean, on the topic of dating, it is such a struggle. I've like, you know, AB testing in communications and marketing, you'll test out different language to see what works and ads. Well, I've tried that with dating. So I've like, I've been like, okay, the other side of it is when, when do you disclose it? Is it the first date? Is it the second date? It's just like, it's, and it's, it's, we, what I really believe as, as, as humorous as this is, what I really believe is why the hell are we even worrying about this? And I think like, you know, I'm a woman just trying to like date and I, I want to go out and I want to have fun and I want to meet new people. And then there's this constant thought in the back of my mind, like, when am I going to disclose it? Like, how are they going to feel about it? And something I wrote a lot about in an article that I wrote called um, I have the superpower of invisibility um, I wrote that often in in many circumstances particularly in dating I find myself trading my truth for another person's comfort so I will not talk about who I really am because I'm like oh I don't want to make this person feel uncomfortable and that's so messed up and so it's cool Alex to hear that you're on the other side of it that you're like just don't give a damn anymore I yeah, yeah. I said I'm not it. I'm not I'm, I'm like, not there yet I'm not there yet I look I have a fun sense of humor I mean I have I think I think it, it kind of comes down to and we talk about it a lot with well, I talk about it a lot with different people is I think it also depends on when you fall into the disabled aspect. So like myself, I didn't get diagnosed with colitis until 17. So I like right after high school, literally summer break after I graduated, got colitis because, you know, who wants to have a fun summer after they graduate? Um, so for me, it was a big adjust adjustment like, hey, OK, my world just ended. Now I need to figure out how to reworld and redo things. Um, so it was interesting. And when it comes to dating, I've, I've kind of just gotten to the point where I, I hit it for a while. I hit it for a while. And, and don't get me wrong, you get like two to three months usually. I mean, mine's fully invisible. So I, I mean, I go to the doctor's office every six weeks for an infusion, which I'll do in the morning, which you know nobody really has to know about if I don't want them to. But the way I look at it and, and kind of my justification for it is that is so much time that I'm wasting, like two to three months and then kind of bring it up and like, hey, maybe they'll be okay. No, fuck that. Absolutely not. Like, that's way too much wasted time. Like, I'm investing way too much time, energy into someone just for them to, to bail out. And I've kind of broken it down and, and I kind of have, I put everybody in three categories now. Um, the... I don't care. I don't want to understand. I don't want to listen, which makes up like that 80%. There's the, they'll accept it. And that's the extent of it, which I think makes up like 15-ish percent roughly. 
And then there's like, I'll accept it. I'm going to research it. And I'm going to give you the support that I need, that you need on my own, like without having to ask for it, which makes up, I think, like maybe 5% of people that I've run into. And <clears throat> I think personally, being upfront with it, you get rid of that 80% of bullshit right, right out of the bat. Like, okay, you know what? These 80% of people, they're not even going to click on my profile. They're not even going to like it. I don't even have to interact with them. I don't even have to say hello. They're going to filter themselves out for me. Then that other area, you kind of filter down and be like, okay, well, you know what? This person seems like they're okay with it. And I say okay with it because I've been in those relationships where they like accept it. However, when the relationship starts to go bad, they start to use things against you and they don't put the effort in to understand it. Or if you're doing bad, like with colitis, if I have a flare up, they complain about that being a reason you can't do things. So that's that kind of like accepts it, but doesn't do anything. Then you got the people that like, they understand they can work with you. They realize that some days you're going to be able to put in 115% worth of energy. And some days you're going to get 10% of energy out of me. And that's, that's it. Yeah. I, I send really... you some texts and that's it. <laughs> that's it. I really resonate with that, Alex. And I think I'm on that journey of getting to the point where I am only like putting in that energy with the 5% or even like figuring out what's happening with the 15%. But for so long, I was like, oh, I'm just going to like come off as normal and come off as able-bodied. And it is a big waste of time because I'm the same. I'll have, it has ended relationships because Mm -hmm. I've had, you know, pain, pain flare-ups or any other type of flare-up that's going to affect my day or my week. And the thing, the, the guy has ended it because of that. And that's just like such a, such a shitty feeling. So yeah, I'm definitely on that, on that journey to get to that 5% for sure by just being more open. And honestly, now it's all over my social media. So oh, yeah. as soon as you, as soon as you, uh, as soon as you follow me on social, it's kind of pretty clear that, that I'm part of this community. I throw it out there yeah. like, Hey, look, this is everything. Good luck. If you still want to yeah. talk, we'll go from there. Yeah. That's like, it's interesting for me just because, um, you know, like, like I said before, I, to the normal eye, you can't see anything just maybe that I'm limping. And, um, you know, uh, I went on a date with someone a few weeks ago and they said something really nice when I told them and I still, uh, you know, we're just friends now, but I still really resonate with it. And I think it's the perfect response to anyone telling you something very intimate and personal about yourself that, you know, for so long, you've been so scared to tell people. Um, And they said, you know, like, if it's not something I can personally change in five to 10 seconds, I should not care about it. And that was badass when they said that I was like oh my gosh like that is amazing um you know I a pet peeve for me is when people ask me if I'm injured or why I'm limping um and then I you know I'm, I'm not obligated to give you my life story uh so I I just really love that you know if it's not something you can actively change in five to ten seconds why do you care about it it's not your problem right yeah. so um yeah that's what I really like that so it's not your problem and it's not contagious. Like, I've gotten yeah, that one exactly. before. Like, is colitis contagious? Like, no, no, it's not contagious. You're fine. Like, you'll be okay. Totally. And a big question I've gotten in, well, you know, friendships and dating, people will go, oh, is it going to get worse? 
because they they can accept me now but god forbid if my disability became more visible or became you know more pronounced or it was you know anything like that it got worse in any case then that would be a problem it's like that is such a shitty question here you get work i mean yeah i guess in the long term it's a legitimate question and i i usually throw that out there early i'm like hey look i'm doing great now eventually i'll have another flare-up and don't get me wrong i have it down to a science so it's not going to be that bad or last that long hopefully but it's still an eventuality oh and by the way i don't put up with this 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 or this because i understand (laughs) stress triggers like because that's that's another thing like i don't i don't put up with games you don't play games fine go find somebody to play games with like mm -mm. Digestive diseases are incredibly reactive to stress. So I understand that very well. Yeah, dang. With, with drama or any of that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, just need to find like a unicorn or like, you know, winning. It's like a winning lottery ticket pretty much when you're disabled, like dating wise. It's like, hey, eventually I'll hit the Powerball, right? And then there's the, I've, I've only come across this twice in my life. But there's also this really weird other side of it of like fetishizing disability. That's mm-hmm. also messed up. So yeah, well, I didn't know about that until recently. <laughs> Somebody who was on the podcast was talking about it. And then me being a gamer and understanding the internet, I do know that there's a rule 34, which is just the weird sexual side of anything. Just, think of something normal take it to car house whatever type in rule 34 that's the internet for you so thinking about it and it being brought up it doesn't surprise me it's also really weird but um, yeah what a weird weird thing about that with colitis like now i don't i don't want to know i don't want to (laughs) know i'm good i'm good (laughs) so so yeah, that's all the fun factors. Yeah, I'm at the point where it's like, you know what? I'm going to build my brand and do my thing and go from there. Focus on me. Yeah, amen to that. Amen to that big, big energy there. I'm very into it. Yep. It's like, <clears throat> I still need to figure it out. I need to do like a copyright search, but I want to call all my people beardlings <laughs> that support the group. I need to check because I, I don't know. I need to look at copyright search, see if it's been copywritten yet, but yeah, we've got to build my brand. Well, we will be here to support it. So I know you guys said you just started. So how long have you been planning? I say that because I, I think I'd thought about this for like two years before I actually started the podcast. Cause you know, I'm an incredibly social person. Not really like super antisocial normally, except the internet's my like home because I'm a gamer, so I'm, I'm, I'm down with internet-based things, but yeah. Um, I'll let Sarah answer that. Sarah, do you know when, when we had our first, I guess it was when I, I, okay, wait, I'm going to preface this, then Sarah can take this away. <laughs> I, I texted Sarah because I knew she had applied for this master's that I wanted to apply for. I missed the deadline because I was dealing with some stuff, and I couldn't get the deadline, asked for special approval to get the to get the application in and they said yes which is totally didn't you post something or you were, yeah. you were talking about it on the podcast okay so you you did end up getting in 
No. Okay. Oh, so oh, no. we find out, <laughs> we find out in December. We're not sure yet. Okay. But, but they let we, you put it in. Yeah. But they let me apply. Okay. That's good. That's great. And the great thing about this is like we met because I wanted help with my letter of intent from Sarah. But the thing is, is this idea of disability is not a binary. It's so much greater than a master's like program that we know that, you know, it'll either take the form of doing research or it'll take the form of an online community to start. But either way, we're going to do something with it. So anyways, Sarah, do you know when we met first about this? Yeah, I think it was literally the beginning of October, which is insane. Um, okay. It's only been yeah it's cruising. really recent yeah and i mean i think part of the big driving thing was i remember distinctly when emily came up to me uh the first time we met in high school she was like is that a splint on your foot and i was like like for 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 preface like i have like a prosthetic and then i have an afo which is like just like a plastic splint that i wear in my shoes that i can wear it and i have never heard someone just Jesus, throw out that term. terminology okay. just like right off the bat like randomly um and that's how we kind of first connected way back when um we've always kind of had that special connection where both of us have kind of just been like you know what like they're always there but we didn't really talk for about a year and a half there um just until this year uh we met we we started talking about school and then it just transitioned into like one big long rant well, about mean, you know. yeah <laughs> and um you know uh we were like you know what like i i just think that this idea, it hasn't been done before, which is insane. Um, that gray space area in that middle of the spectrum where you don't feel disabled enough to be in that community, but you're not able-bodied enough to be uh, able-bodied. Um, so, you know, we thought that we really had to get going on this quick before someone else does it before us. <laughs> and, well, I've um, got a couple of those ideas I'm working oh, on. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> it's, it's really special. I love it. And, you know, like, I think it'll be cool having the parent side of things too, because we both have able-bodied parents that went through this process not knowing anything. Um, you know, for me, I was adopted. So my mom adopted a child not knowing she was adopting a child with limb difference until she literally got me the day of. Um, so, you know, uh, having those supports for parents out there is a big one too that we're really hoping, um, you know, not necessarily support groups, but also resources. Um, a lot of the times here in Canada, um, I get called in to the old hospital that I spent a lot of my childhood at because of my limb difference to go talk to families with kids with limb differences, just to be like, you don't have to be worried. <laughs> like, it's going to be okay. Um, and I think having disability is not a binary will give the platform for parents and younger kids even just to see that you know you're not gonna live a horrible life you're not gonna you're it's not gonna be a crazy thing so i don't know if emily has anything else to add yeah no i think sarah's like an absolute queen in the digital activism space so i'm really excited to have like be a co-founder with her on this project and i think She's kind of heading up the parent angle of it. And then I'm heading up kind of the tech enabled solutions part of it. So my whole career in communications and marketing has been focused around bringing tech enabled solutions to underserved communities. And so this is a huge underserved community that I am in. And as we know, people that create solutions that experience the problem are the ones that create the best solutions. So, I'm really excited yep. 
to start developing, you know, apps and, and services and stuff like that. And, and just take it, just make it really accessible. I'm a huge traveler. I've worked remotely since I was 16. So way before the pandemic started, um, I was working remote and I, I really have seen how the world shifted a little bit towards understanding what accessible travel means. But I think that's also an opportunity with disability is not a binary um, in, in, in using technology to help to help travelers, to help remote workers, to help digital nomads that fall into that gray zone, kind of find their way when they're in new countries and in new cultures as well. All right, so I guess two points. One, I like the I like the aspect of you know helping kids with um, and the parents aspect, and I say that because was it last week? I think episode went live for the podcast with just. Dean Green, she actually does kids books for people with disabilities and chronic illnesses, which I really like and kind of trying to figure out how to bridge that gap because I'm like, well, I'm running a podcast. How do we help like kids that are dealing with this? Because it is, especially in the chronic community, kids are getting diagnosed with more and more chronic illnesses and on a regular basis with a good chunk of those being a permanent disability. And on the technology side of it yeah technology is always always a fun ever-evolving door um that's really important to stay up with and that i'm getting back into even though i have an it background i'm kind of like God, social media is a nightmare sometimes but figuring it out so i guess with you just starting what are you guys going to be focusing on to start out like you doing a podcast you guys doing crazy TikTok videos. <laughs> I, I asked because I got into TikTok, which has been mostly just responding to videos right now, but yeah, I do yeah. have a giant list of skits for the nice. medical community. So nice. that I'm going to be doing eventually. Yeah. I mean, I think we're, we're starting with the Instagram angle. We're going to try and build kind of our first following our first community there. We yep. have a we have a series of reels, which I think will probably end up as TikToks as well that we we're going to be planning called um, what I wish you knew. And so it'll just be like folks in that gray zone um, of the binary uh, discussing like like just little short snippets about what people wish they knew about their disability um, and just kind of educating on the fact that just because someone looks able-bodied or disabled doesn't really mean anything that there's it's so much more than that and it goes so much deeper so that's kind of where we're starting with content um we're also start sharing our own personal stories uh we Sarah and I were both competitive athletes growing up I played basketball um and always got caught like I I even now as an adult wanting to play in a co-ed league I don't like I don't fit into the Paralympics Special Olympics category for basketball but I'm not I'm not able-bodied enough to be on like a really competitive co-ed league. So yeah, I mean, I think it'll be the first, first rendition, first V1 of disability is not a binary is going to be an Instagram focused community that's kind of education and resource based. And Sarah. Yeah, and I mean, hopefully uh, we've talked about doing a podcast. I think it would be really cool. 
Um, you know, uh, Emily and I are also both speakers. So, you know, we'd love to get out there and start, you know, speaking at conferences or um, just to schools. Cause I think, you know, a lot of the time as a kid, just you're not educated enough on um, disability in general. Uh, you know, I've heard some people say that like, they think disabled is a bad word and they're like scared to use it. Um, which personally, I don't think it's a bad word. I, you know, I used to not identify by that word, but like taking back that identity that I haven't had for so long is such a big thing for me. Um, and definitely, uh, you know, uh, here in Canada, there's a lot of different organizations um, in Alberta specifically that, you know, raise up disability. So it would be great to like get in contact with them and start making the conversation go further. Okay. Yep. Yep. Oh, it's that's one of the I think my goals next year is there's a large community in in the Virginia Beach area where I'm at there's actually a lot of ALS support so I definitely want to reach out and kind of get connected with that community which was part of the rebranding because I joined a couple of ALS groups and they crucified me for the chronic living they were not happy about that name choice I'm like come on guys like it's everybody I'm like Technically, what you have is a chronic illness because it's for the rest of your life. It's just not going to be very long, unfortunately, um, which they also didn't like. But, <laughs> but I mean, I have I've had my uncle had ALS, so I understand the severity of it and how bad of a disease it can be. Um, yeah, yeah, I think local community. Well, I'm, the goal is to expand into the local community. Trying to yeah. trying to do like a lot of fundraising this well this upcoming year. Let's figure right. out if I'm going to be a business or a nonprofit. <laughs> yeah, seed investors or grants and government funding is the big the big question, the big Q. So. Yeah, no, we're juggling that too. Thankfully, I have a, a couple connections to the community around here, so it should help. Hopefully, we'll see see where it grows so what else do you guys want to cover anything else specific you want to highlight focus on you know focus what? on more of your actual disabilities itself and kind of how it affects day-to-day -day life other than dating because i know we've covered a lot of dating <laughs> yeah i mean yeah sure i uh i like i said i have high functioning cerebral palsy with left hemiplegia um the biggest kind of way it affects me it's really apparent in the winter it's very apparent in the winter because uh where i live i'm looking out the window right now and it's a snowstorm and it gets very slippery and so the effort that it takes to work walk on a slippery road versus a non-slippery road oh, is a big big difference um and also i guess like one thing that I've realized for myself in terms of energy level and just in the disability community in general is that this, this shift towards a more virtual working world has done us a lot of good. Like I've, I've recognized it in myself. I do have a lot more energy. You know, obviously I get Zoom fatigued after a big long day of meetings, but no, nowhere near the level. And you know what, you know what? I feel like Zoom fatigue is maybe a stepping stone and a connecting point where able-bodied folks can realize, you know, the fatigue, the day-to-day -day fatigue that we experience in yep. in-person meetings. Like, 
able-bodied folks get fatigued by Zoom. I get fatigued by Zoom, but at least they can understand that, you know, after a long day of anything, for me, it's, it's, I'm exhausted. And, and for so long in my life, I denied myself that rest. And so in the last, I would say, nine to 12 months of my life, I've really dug into pushing away from, from the hustle and the grind life of being an entrepreneur and, and really leaning into being a restful, fully functioning, well-balanced human being, and then being an entrepreneur second. And it's very counterintuitive to our culture. It's very counterintuitive to the, to the narratives in society. But, but to be completely honest with you, going against that grain has allowed me to take way bigger leaps in my career and, and in my entrepreneurial journey than I ever did when I was hustling and when I was grinding. And so it's just a, it's a journey to relearn how to take care of yourself, I think. So you're not supposed to work 80 plus hours a week? Yeah, exactly. Right. I had to learn that the hard way. I ended up in the hospital when I did that. I, I actually pulled that off um, 60 to 80 hours a week for like two years with two jobs. I worked retail and then I worked for the government. Um, now I do that. Thankfully, most of it's online now with the podcast. I still do my 40 hours and then I do probably 30 to 60 hours a week on the podcast. So, but when it's a passion project, when it's a passion project, it's different. Fun fact the rebranding happened at 3 a.m. in the morning one day. So I went to bed, I'm like, I should rebrand it. And then this idea popped in. I'm like, like bearded advocate. I'm like, hmm, uh, let me go to sleep think about it nope lay down in bed at like midnight sat and stared at the ceiling for three hours you're like you know what okay i guess it's happening at 3 a.m pulled an all-nighter on like a sunday night before work that work, is like a zombie <laughs> that is self-care like leaning into leaning into those passions leaning into those like intuitions i believe that's self-care for sure i am working on the sleep though i actually just got an aura ring which is nice you wear it at night and it monitors your sleep so I can actually see how well I'm sleeping. Oh, cool. And then it can make suggestions on like how to improve your sleep because I'm incredible at sleeping apparently. No, not really, but. <laughs> I'm actually a very good sleeper. I, uh, that is that is one of my skills. I get like five hours. That's about normal. <laughs> yeah, same. Maybe three. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not great. Yeah. yeah, except this past week, I was not sleeping that much and now I have like a cold, which is not great. So, yeah. Well, yeah, it's snowing up there. Oh, yeah, it's the weather's changed. Oh. I got a COVID test today just to be sure because my anxiety is just <laughs> too much to not know. <laughs> I, so, but yeah, for me too, Emily, like even when I was outside today going to get COVID tested, um, I, it was so hard to walk through the parking lot because you're just making these little inches and you don't want to slip. And, um, you know, for me, like I, um, had a pretty bad knee injury on my bad leg uh, during dance and you know you're younger so you can recover quicker but about a year ago I injured it again uh, not from dance just from being on a boat I hit it on the side of a boat and that's really like taken I like my myself back I feel like uh, I feel more disabled now than I ever have before just because I haven't regained full knee function 
Um, so now, you know, like I, I can't go upstairs on one side. It has to be on one side of the leg. Um, and a big thing for me that I used to never do was if I'm feeling tired, I let my friends know. Or if they're walking too fast, I let my friends know. I say, you know what, you guys need to slow down, please. Or I can't, I don't want to do this hike because I know I'm going to like be in so much pain. Um, and that used to make me feel like I was being a burden. Uh, and that, you know, I was being inconsiderate to everyone else. But in reality, I'm just trying to feel okay at the end of the day, you know? So um, that's a big thing for me. I get that. My ex used to get really mad at that. <laughs> we went hikes or something. My energy just wasn't there. Oh, I get that. Now, on that aspect, next summer, I'm going to be having fun poking the local police station when it comes to the whole accessibility aspect because one of the guys that i interviewed probably three months ago now has a federal lawsuit against one of the local aquariums because they wouldn't let him use his Segway in the aquarium as his mobility device because he has a hard time walking he has a rare form of muscle atrophy um and i'm gonna play with the local police department because technically you're not supposed to use skateboards on the oceanfront which is like our boardwalk area but I found out that they, they actually fall under a mobility device in some aspects. So I'm going to be poking and probably getting in trouble. That sounds fun. That. It's, it's going to be fun. I'm going to come to that for sure. 100%. <clears throat> so, yeah, no, I get that because I do a lot of nature photography. It's kind of one of my hobbies and passions that I do. I don't do it professionally, even though I probably should. Um, but I said I was going to give this a try first before I dedicated to photography. And a big part of it is hiking and going out in trails, parks, all over the place. And yeah, yeah, I definitely feel the whole long walks are fun and, and draining. And <clears throat> I know it's partially because my bones are all jacked up from all the prednisone I've been on, but I have like low density bones. So by the end of like a two mile walk, I feel it on the base of my feet, just the bone hurting itself. So. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, uh, do I really want to walk that? Uh, sit down 100%. or I feel it the next day. So I understand that whole going out now. Snow, nope. I moved away from the snow. I used to be in Massachusetts, so I don't do snow anymore. It was yeah, it was a solid down. 24 degrees Celsius here yesterday, since you guys are in Canada. Oh so it was God. nice and That's so yesterday. nice. Or not yesterday, Saturday. I, I think about. it's going to negative 19 degrees Celsius tomorrow here. No. Um, but it's supposed to be one of our coldest winters ever, I have read. So I'm not excited for that. Absolutely. Not. Um, yeah, it's, it's literally, it's the worst thing ever for like disabled folk. Cause you just like, I like the university I go to, it's in one straight line and it's really nice because you can walk inside, but it's about like 20 blocks long. So if you have a class yeah. on one side <laughs> and you have to way. run, like you have to literally run to another side. And I know Emily did this too. And I used to do this in Canada anyways, they have these things called lime scooters and yep. you can basically just, yeah, you can yep, just pay. I so those. I just, I just yeah. go, you know what? I have a class 20 blocks down the road. I am Zip just going to hop down. on a scooter and go there and save myself the physical agony. Um, yeah. You know, but for me, like, I've also found that, uh, like, I, I quite like working out. Um, but in the gym space, I always feel a bit uncomfortable. 
Um, and I've actually started doing spin classes, which I did not think I would like. But for my disability anyways, it works really well because once you clip in, you can't move anywhere. So no matter where you're going, you're not like- Your foot's locked in. It's locked in. Yeah, because um, the, the so, shoes have the little clip on it, yeah. Yes, yeah, it's super nice. So um, it's nice to have that now, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I need to get back to working out. <laughs> I went to the same university as Sarah and I super struggled with, yeah, the distance. And it's just like messed up that we feel like we need to pay or we have to pay for- a scooter that's not even that's not even its purpose you know because we don't have any other ways to get across the university and you know I explored the idea in my second year of university about potentially having like a little tram you know because it is a straight line so you could really have a tram and I brought it to like you know four or five different committees and boards in the university and they were like nope no, we can't do it. It wasn't the university wasn't designed for it. We can't do it. And that just electric yeah. skateboard. They got the little skate with the battery <laughs> pack. You, you just stand there. You just, go. There that's you what go. I'm going to test. I'm going to test the electric skateboards because it technically falls under the U.S. American Disability Act for mobility devices covered. Because all right, I support that. Segue. I support mm-hmm. that. Get yourself segways. A segue. Segways are sick. <clears throat> but. Yeah, yeah, no, it's always fun getting around. I, I'm thankful that in Virginia, especially in Virginia Beach, they have all the public parks have like restrooms and the park's usually not that bad. And there's like a couple stops along the way. I'm like, this is perfect. I got a bathroom, which is golden for me because when you have colitis, you know where all the public restrooms are. <laughs> but the fact that the pack, parks aren't like massive, you don't have to like walk 10 miles to be in the park is like perfect for me. Yes, Perfect. I love that. I, I, the, the, along the winter side of things, I spend so much time in Latin America during the winter, just in the, in, during the year in general. I just got back from two weeks uh, in Mexico on Saturday, and I'm, I'll be going back in January. I'm just staying home for Christmas. But my chronic pain is so much better in warm weather. Me, oh my, yeah, it's so much better. And every winter, I spend less and less time here. I'll be gone for the big chunk of winter this year for sure. I'll just suffer here. (laughs) It's okay. Look, I used to live in Massachusetts, so I get the cold and snow, and I'm yeah. That's why I moved. It's why it's not great. It's not great. I am. my whole like one leg it's just not it's I broke my leg skiing once so I have like a metal plate in there I have screws in the knee I'm missing a foot it's just like winter does you... not work well I'm 21 so you already have a metal plate in your leg oh boy yes yes um yeah lived just lived a fun life so far but it, it's not bad it's not bad <laughs> this, is, this is how it, this is a whole nother another aspect I talk about a lot and and I bring it up because I I went to school for automotive specifically diesel technician I do not do it because my body's broken enough as it is and that's a whole nother thing it's like well when you're already pre-broken especially when you take prednisone and it chews away at your bone density the last thing you need to do is something that's not conducive for a normal person's health let alone if you're already already dealing with stuff yeah it's my problem is I'm a an I am an adrenaline junkie so okay (laughs) I just like 
you go to Latin America. Do you do you know what kiteboarding is? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's probably one of my next sport goals because nice. the Outer Banks in North Carolina has one of the best places in the U.S. for kiteboarding, and they have a flat area of water called the Sound that's completely flat, but right on the ocean, so you don't have any waves. So when you say yes. that, I want to kiteboard. Very very into that i'm big into uh i'm big into water sports big into whitewater rafting but yeah that's resulted in more injuries than i would like to admit yeah i need to fix my body before i do that the, the bone density thing is the, the one real problem it's 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 bad but the struggle is so real i'm 28 i got what five years and naturally add bone density without actually really having to work for it so i think it's what, like 33 or 35 guys stop gaining bone density as easily you can know. do it yeah yeah lots of, lots of calcium supplements um i guess last area that i feel like we always talk about on the podcast mental health yeah that's it's a fun. thing it's a fun subject <laughs> I'm bringing it up because I was talking about photography because I usually use photography as as one of my methods for just chilling yeah but I want to see how how you guys kind of deal with the mental health aspect I know traveling for you that's that's fairly I would imagine that helps a lot with it what about you Sarah interesting I haven't really thought about it much (laughs) I mean I bring um, it up because it's you know, there's a lot of stuff that we all deal with, doctors' yeah. visits, the medical expenses, which you're already talking about a little bit. Like it adds yeah. a lot of stress in our life. And I always bring up mental health because I know in the US, um, when it comes to mental health, we have the suicide prevention line. So if you get to that point and you're suicidal, there's a phone number you can call in. It's all right. I've heard some yeah. cases where it's really helpful and some cases where they're kind of just like, good luck. Um, but there's not really a system in the U S for, Hey, let's prevent you from getting that bad. So I bring it up yeah. and I, I try to have a conversation around, let's talk about like, let's have a logical conversation around depression and mental health, because there's a lot of things that we deal with on a regular basis, you know, medical expenses, doctor's visits, limitations of what our chronic illness or disability put on us physically, mentally, um, dating, work life, social life, how it's all affected by it. And should be able to have a logical conversation like hey this is not fun this is why it's not fun and be like yeah no that makes sense and yeah here's ways that you can address it and for me I, I bring it up a lot with photography you know taking time to just kind of reset and relax and I'm an IT guy so I'm all about like shutting things down and turning them back on and I think we could do that with our brains as well like hey step away from your normal do something that's relaxing or distracting that keeps you 100% focused on everything or away from everything that's going on in your life. So your brain kind of has the time to reset and kind of come back to be like, all right, here's the list of problems we have to deal with. Let's actually address them in a, in a logical manner. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, my mental health is something I've always struggled with um, from the time I was a little kid. And I think, um, you know, through a lot of therapy and self-discovery, I've realized that a lot of it comes back to, you know, being adopted and having a limb difference and constantly feeling like you have to prove yourself that you're like worthy of something. Um, and you know, it's taken a long time for me to like truly be happy with the person that I am and knowing that like, I cannot do anything to change it or change my circumstances, but it's what I do with those circumstances 
that, uh, you know, can shape my future. So for me, um, something that's always been an escape is I love doing theater. Like I love watching theater. I love being in theater. Um, when I was younger, you know, the idea of being someone else, uh, <laughs> probably toxic now, now that I look back at it, but I loved yeah. not being, <laughs> you know, um, but I, I like love, um, you know, doing theater, uh, and just watching it now. Um, I'm also a huge like art person. I love just, you know, I find that if the best way to express yourself is if I just want to listen to a song on repeat and just like doodle on my iPad, I can do that and I feel better. Um, but honestly, like I feel like the way I think about my disability um, and the way I have been uh, my mental health around it has like drastically changed since it's been like a day to day conversation with Emily um, because it feels so normal. It yep. feels like it, you know, like actually getting to talk to people um, has made all the difference. And I do know that like, uh, you know, when I was younger, um, my mom would bring me to like this like play group with a bunch of other little disabled kids and we'd all play. Um, but I, I truly wish that just would have like kept on going. <laughs> you know, those connections wouldn't have fall, fallen off until now. Because um, I feel like I just would have been a happier person with who I was, uh, who I am you know, throughout high school and all of that. But definitely having those conversations and having these conversations, you know, where it's just like So what we deal it's, with. Yeah, it's it, fantastic. being able to relate to someone <laughs> yes. is I think one of the biggest things. And I think that's one of the best parts about the communities. Um and totally. I'm only recently new to a lot of the communities. I've had colitis for 10 years now. I've only been in them for maybe two-ish years. So I didn't even realize they were a thing for the longest time. And that was a big thing. Like, God, I'm surrounded by all these people that don't understand. And when you get into the community, it was like, wow, I don't have to explain that. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, it's you great. know what that it's... is? Like, you understand? Yeah. But I think, I think like a big thing, like for people like Emily and I, where, you know, we're in that gray zone um, where we don't feel accepted or don't not, not necessarily accepted, but you don't relate to either side. So you're in this like weird area where you feel very alone. Um, Cause if I, I, if there was some random amputee convention for people my age, I would walk in there and feel like my the experience. Showed up because yes, exactly. Like, oh God, this guy's miss. You know, this guy's like blew up when he was in war yeah. and yeah. Yeah, I, I, I exactly. Exactly. Like there's, there's people there like missing whole legs, um, you know? And I like, I, it's not that I feel guilty, but I've always felt a sense of like, well, I can't go into that space because I am so much more like function visibly. Yeah, yeah it's it's. <laughs> I yeah. get that because <clears throat> with with Crohn's and colitis, you see a decent amount of that because Crohn's and colitis varies a lot. There's a lot of people fall in the mild and moderate cases. Then they have like the extreme and severe, which is where I lump into because lucky me, um, <clears throat> and you get a lot of that. You get people that have like irritable bowel syndrome and people that have irritable bowel disease. I see in some of the communities, they'll kind of like shit on people with IBS because they're like, oh, suck it up. Like you have IBS. It barely even, act. it's like, oh God, it acts up every once in a while. And <clears throat> I, I hate that because I think the communities need to be more lumped together as it is, let alone people that have the severe aspects of it discrediting people that are still dealing with essentially the same thing just on a different level and it still affects people in different ways which is a big thing and more recently my whole viewpoint on 
I guess, going through and dealing all with all of this has changed. And I kind of view it in, I'm not going to say like a, a gratitude aspect, but I, I, I look at everything that kind of happens and, and I broke it down into kind of just a general phrase that pain puts things into perspective and that perspective can give us a purpose because I believe very strongly if I'm going to suffer through something and it's going to hurt, I'll be damned if I'm not going to learn something from it. Like, <clears throat> and I think that yeah. kind of carries over too. And that's why I try to lump everybody together. Like, Hey, we all deal with 70 to 80% of the same general stuff. And then that 20 to 30% is specifically what we're diagnosed with or our disability that's unique to us. Um, and I think that's an important thing because it's like, yeah, you, you could probably benefit from a lot of the resources that are there, but how are the other people going to treat you? That's kind of, it's kind of messed up. Like, well, you're broken yeah. and I'm broken enough. Yeah. 100%. 100%. I really resonate with that. So everybody, everybody fighting even within their own communities. Like, geez. Yeah, totally. Oh, I think what else I went off on a tangent. I lost my we we're talking about mental health. Mental health. That's right. God. <laughs> my mental health was not good last year. No, it was I so mean, bad. Well, COVID, right? Welcome yeah, COVID. COVID. I was working like 80 ish hour weeks. I was not taking care of myself. Then I got laid off and I was working like 25 hour weeks. And I was like, all this free time. Oh, oh I need to start taking care of myself. And I actually like, really struggled to do it because I was so always busy and and being alone with my thoughts was like causing me so much anxiety I got diagnosed with anxiety all this stuff so I kind of had to schedule in self-care time and I had to like make myself you know go for a walk have a coffee read a book all the things that I like doing I had to make myself do it at the beginning but in terms of my mental health now I've ritualized my morning so that it's the same every morning. It's very like sacred. It's my time. It really grounds me and, and really centers me for my day. And, and that alone has been extremely transformative for my mental health, for sure. I wake up, I have my coffee. I do my brain dump on my notebook. Coffee. And then <laughs> and then I read a book and I work out. It's it's a really good thing for my mental health. And some days I don't feel like doing it, but there's never been a day that I have done the routine that I have regretted it. So yeah. I think that's a really good sign that it's good for my mental health. Wow, you make me sound. I'm like, I get up 15 minutes before I have to leave and I grab a granola bar and I am out. Oh boy. <laughs> I, I wish I could get up 15 minutes before I could leave, but I have colitis. So I know at some point in the morning before I go to work, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom because God forbid I don't. My five minute drive to work, like that's that's my luck. Um, no, but I, I definitely agree with the whole COVID thing. Um, so I was thankfully enough during COVID and during our shutdown here in the US, my job allowed me to stay home and still get paid. We were put all put on administrative leave if we were high risk, which I'm grateful for. However, the eight months that I was on administrative leave, getting paid to sit at home, I was beyond unproductive. 
like having eight months of free time, I got nothing done. I did a ridiculous amount of gaming, which I ended up hating by the time it was, it was done. Cause you know, you do the same thing you enjoy doing all day, every day, you learn to hate it really quick. Um, and yeah, that was kind of a big, like, Hey, I need to start focusing on, on, you know, mental health and just general routines and stuff. And, and on the, the morning routine, um, I definitely understand that because with me, first thing I do when I wake up and last thing I do in the day before I go to bed, I run down a list of things I'm grateful for every morning, every night, as simple as they are, as simple as they may be, um, or as big as they are, as big as they may be for that day. And just in general, I think that's something that's super important. And for me, it kind of puts things into perspective because I understand with colitis might not be where I want to be right now and might be quite a few steps to get to where I do want to be. I understand how many steps have come from like that first hospital stay in the lowest point of colitis. Yeah, so I definitely get that like routine. And, and for me, a big part of that is just like, hey, this is what I'm grateful for today. Thank you. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. That really resonates with me and what you say about pain gives you perspective and perspective gives you purpose. That's what it's all about. And I think, yeah, at the end of the day, practicing gratitude really is like what we, why we do what we do. We need to know, you know, the, there's always good. There's always good to be found. And no matter how much energy gets drained or how many awkward encounters we have during the day about our disabilities, there's always stuff to be grateful for, for sure. Yeah, and, and for me, it, it kind of ends and starts the day on a positive, regardless of what I've dealt with, because I understand how much of a gap there is. Like, hey, this is where I was in the past. Here's where I am now. Might not be where I thought I would be, but I'm grateful for it, and I'm grateful for all the all the uh, you know knowledge that I've gotten from my experiences, which comes with the pain, putting things into perspective, and that perspective giving us purpose, because. I could tell you, if I wasn't diagnosed with colitis, I definitely wouldn't be an advocate advocating for it. So I guess the, I, I think if you look at it the right way, there's a purpose behind everything. And the last thing I need is my mind being in a negative space because I'm pretty sure I have ADHD, which I'm working on getting diagnosed. And God, when you have a negative mindset and your mind's just going, it's like a snowball in the wrong direction. So yeah, 100%. I resonate with that for sure. I think. Yeah, my brain's pretty much capped out. Is there anything else you guys want to specifically focus on or add? No, it's been so great to chat with you, Alex. And I'm so, yeah, just a shout out to the Diversity Leadership Collective because that's how we met. That's how we got connected. So big shout out to them. It's a great, great community that... I, I'm super grateful to be a part of. So, so if anyone's looking for kind of that, that space to be a part of would highly recommend it. Um, yep. And yeah, don't forget to follow us. If you're listening at disability is not on Instagram. And I'll have, I'll have you send over all of your links and information too, which I'll put in the actual episode notes. Sweet. So anybody that's looking for it can just look at the episode notes and find all the links to Instagram accounts, both personal ones and for your nonprofit, yeah. nonprofit or organization. We don't know. No, we don't know. <laughs> your brand. That's yeah, our brand. <laughs> TBD. TBD. 
Awesome. Thanks so much for having us, Alex. Well, I appreciate you guys Thank coming you. on. As always, thank you for stopping by and listening to the episode. Make sure you guys head over to thebeardedadvocate.com to show your support. It's got all the links to all the other social media platforms, which I'm creating a ton of new content on that I'm sure you guys would love to watch and hopefully in the future be a part of. So thank you, as always, and have a good one.